Hey everybody, welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef podcast from the creators of Read It and Weep. I'm your host, Alex. Joining me in Los Angeles, it's Megan. Hey, buddy. Hey. And we have a very special guest in our LA studios. It's sister of the pod, Julia. Hey, Julia. Hello. Long-time listener, first-time caller. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Also, I believe this is your, not just your first time on this podcast, your first time on a podcast. It's true. Podcast debut. (laughs) World debut of Julia. Um... So last week we did, because Ezra had missed a show, he had a bag of riffs. Um, you have a, at least one Mr. Holland's Opus take for us. <laughs> Mr. Holland's Opus is great. That is all. <laughs> okay. Definitely <laughs> filmed in Portland. And you and you knew people involved? I What I heard from the person I know involved was that literally everyone who lived in Portland at the time was an extra in <laughs> Mr. Holland's Opus. There we go. Hot Mr. <laughs> well, there Holland's Opus There was a big parade report. scene. You got crowds in the, you yeah. know. Yeah, everybody's in a band. Um, all right. Also joining us from Northern California, it's Ez and Sarah. Hey guys. Hello. And in Brooklyn, it's Chris all alone. Hey Chris. Restaurant wars. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us from LA, it's Kyle alone. Hey buddy. Hey, let's run that back up. <laughs> Give me another bowl of ice cream. Right up. Seriously, I'm not kidding. <laughs> 14 he tasted 14 courses when he yeah. in a row in that afternoon when he ordered his second ice cream dale so he uh he calls what he does like in his restaurants fat kid moves where he's gonna put pretzels on things like extra dessert is classic talda i love it i, I mean it makes <laughs> I a lot of sense. i don't know why considering that no one's paying for this i don't know why more people don't ask for like you know extras or like to-go boxes you know it's like like the olive garden type thing where it's like one for now one for later I could imagine if you were like, hey, we're a fun, what a fun experience. We're dining in the restaurant wars. But judges asking for to-go boxes would be hilarious. They get one of everything yes. to-go as well. Man. Um, yeah, Padma, professional eater, uh, is like, I'm going to enjoy some more of this even when no one's watching. That would be a heck of a compliment. That would be um, an interesting challenge for a restaurant wars. Is just like the judges come in and try to be the worst diners possible. So it's a completely different type oh. of restaurant challenge. Okay, I'm into that. Definitely one vegan, one gluten-free person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, oh, somebody who, after you've ordered, asks if there's onions and stuff. Yes. Say, I can bring my kid. Yeah. Oh, is someone who keeps there, spilling is, their water? Oh yeah. Someone, I feel so bad about that when Y'all I know do people it. People who don't like onions, aside from kids, I don't know. I mean, uh, people who like your friend we had lunch with who said. Some, no, it's everything. Oh, his parents won't eat onions. Yeah, adults. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. They're like, wow. They, they get Mexican food, and they were like, we do not want onions. You can't not. It's there. I had, a, I had a friend who couldn't eat onions. That's 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 different than than, than don't want to. Couldn't. Yeah, like I had a, they had a lot of allergies, and that was one of them. Wow, that's yeah. a bad, you got to get far down the list of allergies before you get to onions. I think. I mean, onions <laughs> don't taste. Onions are like a, an acquired taste. Over time, it's not like that. Only a few people like it. You, ha- the, right. I think there's very few people that the first time they have an onion, which is probably early in their life, is like straight off the tree. Whoa! You know, yeah, wait. You know, we're cooking them, right, Kyle? Like, it's like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing about onions is they're just a base flavor. Like every recipe, the first thing you do is you dice some onions and some some garlic, and then everything else happens later. So if you're not into yep. onions, you just don't get to eat. It's like welcome to food. It's it's, it's like, already over. Yeah. You, you assemble the IKEA furniture. Like- Break it into okay. nothing, my kid will eat it. It's if right. you can see if you hide it, yeah. Onion, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. that I like to it's secret onions are fine. Yeah. Well, it's no, like I'm, whether you know it's food or whether you know it's an onion. Like it, it is definitely like a mental thing of food mm. versus onion. What else I remember, would you guys yeah. do that's bad at a restaurant? 
Oh. By the way, I'm eating a um, I'm eating a, a delicious donut provided by our listeners. Thank you. Oh yeah, we're eating uh, 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 croissants and cannolis uh, provided by our listeners because we forgot to get pie donuts. But that's totally fair. Yeah, still good. And I, I believe it said donuts or croissant or oh, or, or pastry. Oh. So you're in. There. Okay, Definitely well then we nailed it. Yeah, we got a pound croissant. of chocolate. We got a monkey yeah. bite. We got a cannolis. We got a quiche. Sorry, Kyle. What were you saying? I don't think. I, I mean, if you, you want to know other thing, people like say that. About, oh yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I won't eat mayonnaise. So oh, right. like if right. there, I, I fully anytime there's a sandwich on a menu, like. I asked the server to just like exhaustively go through any sauces on it. These are all pretty. I mean, this is pretty reasonable. If you said oh, no sauces, that I be that would start to be a little annoying. Can you yeah. like whatever you're serving, no sauce? I want dry everything. Yeah, if, especially if it's like Madame Saucy's like sandwich shop, and you're like <laughs> asking sure. all through, and yeah, they're all like mayo based. You have to like, ask. Did it you all. not realize that this is not a family name? This is a nickname that she's earned. <laughs> It's a title. She killed their, their previous Madame Saucy <laughs> and earned it. There could be only sauce. There's so also this the we- people that um, just replace every single item with some other unrelated item. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I would love that sandwich. Instead of sauce, I would like a side of chicken fried steak. Yeah. And instead of the lettuce, if I could get just, I would like um, a number seven. Yeah. Just like that. Can you, just can you swap, swap my home fries uh, for an ice cream sundae? <laughs> Yeah, and you're going to pay for it. You yeah, know? I mean, that seems fine as long as you're paying for it. Um, yeah. Sorry, this is a Top Chef podcast. This is, no, this is a great introduction <laughs> because today we are talking about restaurants for the first time uh, in kind of a while. But um, this is a very special episode of Restaurant Wars. So we're talking about Top Chef Portland, Season 18, Episode 8, Restaurant Wars. We have no quick fire, so this is going to be a yes. bit long. But let's jump right into the explanation of the challenge and catch everybody up. We're, it's, it's Restaurant Wars. Yay. Teams are selected Portland style, which is not a thing. Um, the Almighty Penny. Actually, there should be other things in Portland style, but I don't think a penny. We did it in Last Chance Kitchen, where they said you flipped a coin to name the city. We yeah, talked about this, but Padma yeah. hadn't heard, so she got to do it once for her now. But um, I've never heard anyone in Portland say that that's Portland style. There are Portland style no. things. Yes, like please. What? what? Yeah. Um, Portland style espresso is you leave the lid off and it rains a little bit into it. <laughs> mm. Mm. It's like it's like a it's like a nat- nature's americano is what you're saying <laughs> exactly exactly a sky americano. Um, th- what, there is a Portland style hot dog, but I can't remember what it is now. Oh well, they're they're Portland style bagels. Oh, there's Portland style bagels. Yes, Portland style bagels, which are it sounds bad. I, in fact, I hate saying it. It sounds awful, but they're amazing. Um, but they are a um a um what is pretzel? it's a pretzel anyway. Um, you got Kyle. You went to the place. Great description. I can't do it. I can't remember. I can't remember. Anyway, Hot Bagels has a what they call a Portland style bagel, which is it's a pretzel bagel, but it's not just that. There's something else going on in it. I haven't um, been to Pops Bagels. I've had you went like, to their you went to Nouvry, which is their pastry shop across the street. Same people. Oh, okay, yes. Uh, and they spun off their bagel business because it was so good. I'm sure there's more Portland style things. Anyway, there's a there's a Portland style cheesecake and dessert company. I don't know what makes them that style. Uh, that might be Maine. Are you sure that's ours? Well, I assume they're like you know like intertwined and linked. No, they're um, enemies. That's I will say a shocking number of oh, no, people. No, 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 Oregon, Oregon. Oh, good. Uh, okay, good. Okay, a shocking cool. number of people when I did business in Oregon would every once in a while send an email and then realize that we were on the wrong coast. It was very sad. Um, yeah. All right. Anyway, back to work. So they flip a penny. The almighty penny decides the teams are the strong team of Sarah, Gabe, Don, and Chris, and the party team of Shoda, Maria, Byron, and Jamie, and. Actually, any team that has showed on it is the party team. He's the universal yep. party donor. 
Um, this year's format is a little different than previously. It's chef's table style. It's chef stable style. The teams need to recreate a or to create a seven course tasting menu and then serve it themselves while the judges wa- watch them and talk about them as if they're not there. Uh, this year, they also include decor shopping and a logo design and neither matter and they don't have to set up chairs. Also, no official executive chef or front of the house making it harder to figure out who will be uh, eliminated in this uh, blame to throw under the bus. Um, party team defies their own founding principle by immediately snapping into a well-organized structure with a strong concept of Latin-infused kaiseki. And from the outset, they are the hot cocoa sun. Like hot cocoa? You get it. They oh. win every <laughs> course from the ham flakes to the tongue sando, uh, which is the sando that tastes you back. Um, <laughs> they get a hot pot of gold and a trace leches cake with condensed milk, making it a record-shattering, not street-legal, quattro leches, never before seen. <laughs> the elves make no effort at all to hide the fact that from the beginning, Cocosan is clearly your Coco Daddy. On the other side... A Wait, penny before, you, before, you, before you go on... Please. Like, basically, they are a party team in the front, but they're a business team in the back. So it was a reverse, <laughs> so true. It was a reverse <laughs> mullet. This is a mullet mullet restaurant for sure yeah he said party team and then they they smiled but then they were like really well organized professionals with very little partying but also clearly having more fun during service and with each other than strong team yes definitely if you're a party team partying is your business so you're not going to that's a good point that's true way so if you're that organized with your party energy it's kind of infectious to the diners you're serving Party what you love, you'll never party a day in your life. That's what I always Mm say. Um, It's also easier to have fun when you're obviously winning. Yeah, when your food is good and the judges like you, way easier to smile. Um, And yeah, they. I mean, I thought from the outset, my assumption was party team beats strong team in restaurant wars. I believe that we have history on our side for that. Yeah, that almost always happens. Um, Partly because the the team that feels like they're the underdogs tries harder, and usually the strong team just doesn't listen to each other, which, great news. Um... Great. Um, so the, uh, on the other side of the ledger, a penny for your mistakes, the strong team goes all in on tails because there isn't a head chef in sight. And despite saying the global perspective never works, they decide the theme of a global perspective. But it could work for us. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's due to have a good run. Is what yeah. I think you know, the earth right, needs this- a shot. <laughs> um, also, they, they decide that their theme is seafood, but no cooked fish. Um, their seven-course failing menu has two highlights, Dawn's warm crab and her warm ham water, which are both great, and they're the only dishes that don't taste like tire tracks because she threw the entire team under the bus to make them. Everybody else has one hit and one miss. Gabe's amuse-bouche is the size of a Bouche Gardens amusement park, but Mm. his mole verde is different enough from his other 13 moles that it saves him. Chris ruins pasta a different way than before. That's kind of fun and exciting. But his ice cream gives him a kelping hand, and Sarah's salmon teas isn't enough to make up for her crude O'Halibut. Um, she's headed off to the big yogurt tub in the sky, and that's the challenge. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Good, well good, good little jokes, man. Good I like them. <laughs> yeah. Nothing more condescending than calling something <laughs> little. No, I mean, like what? It, like they all this some good it's big boy jokes, Alex. <laughs> no. All right, you're Those right. Good, there was one real... thing, and you found yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> no, I, I thought that was great. I, I, I kind of want to back up, please, when talking about this to talk about a chef's table restaurant. Mm-hmm. Have, have y'all kind of been to a chef's table restaurant? Never. Does Benihana count? How much? <laughs> no, yes, say, I'll count Benihana. Somebody else does the water, the but the chef is the one who throws the onion at you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but like, how? If so, how much interaction you know have you kind of had with those? It's Just performative. One. There's no, there's very little chit chat. I feel if that's part of the chef's table. I don't yeah, know. I wanted more chit chat at our chef's table. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I feel like there was there was like a presentation, and then there were people. There was a talker. Like, there was a designated yeah, there was, talker. There was one designated yeah. talker. Yeah. And the chefs were like working and they were tweezering stuff. And you could, you were like, I'm like sitting above your workstation, but we were not friends. Nobody would have left there feeling like we'd become friends with Mr. Tweezer. We went to yeah. one where they did a fair amount of talking. It was a, yeah. And usually it's like explaining York, the dish. New York right? where everything was on um, like kebabs almost they were all like chicken on skewers oh. and they talked a lot about the different things they were doing on the skewers the different so. way they stick to the food yeah huh interesting okay. um yeah the one yeah. place we went um was in portland and it was a gift from you Joy. so <laughs> that was our one chef's table experience and yeah. it was really lovely but yeah i i think and this is i think so maybe you just had more extroverted chefs yeah at yours? i think it's just you know who wants to be doing that yeah some people but, like to talk i think some part people of the are maria yeah yeah <laughs> Part of the draw of a chef's table restaurant is like it's not that you're getting like wined and dined by the chefs. It's that mm. like it's that extra step of like it's not not quite intimacy. It's like access. It's like you're not just like completely separate. You're being there. So it's not that you want the chefs to be like treating you like servers. That it's you want to be like in the kitchen. So I you just could distract like, them if I wanted. Yeah, you won't because, like, you respect them and they right. appreciate that. But it's, like, it, it's the fact that, like... There's some assumptions being made here, but, yeah. This, this is this is basically Chipotle, though, right? That is that is that not like a chef's table? Classic chef's table experience of Chipotle. I don't... It's like you talk to exactly the person who's making it and you say, you know, you, you have that banter. So and... what I've presented for you here is a chicken burrito with uh, <laughs> guacamole for two fifty. Yeah, that's yeah. basically yeah. the same. Yeah, I, guess I mean, we've been we've been to plenty also of... be like sitting for a whole long time next to another person who may or may want to talk to you or who is like staring. Right, because so, right, the, the chef's table, table is strangers frequently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there can be sort of like talking about what you're seeing or talking about like, oh, that looks good. I can't wait till we get to that course yeah. or, you know, whatever. But it, it, they kind of build it as like, yep, you're also the server. And to an extent, that's true. And I think Maria was a difference maker on party team. Yeah, but they clearly the thought time, her service was in like they were like gushing over the service which i thought seemed fine yeah i mean like it, no she wasn't spending time not cooking in order to talk to the diners right. like she wasn't doing a malarkey but at the same time <laughs> she like did make them feel welcome you know mm -hmm. in a way that clearly restaurant penny didn't. but i think if you look at party team strong team party team were the extroverts yes the introverted chefs mm -hmm. didn't want to talk so much they wanted to have their head down and tweeze and it worked great but well, they also different. weren't talking with each other as much. That's the main issue, is that they did not like talking to each other. Yeah. I, I just um, think the big thing with the chef's table is, like, it is an experience. It's not just a meal. It's something that, like, mm -hmm. I, I think that's yeah. the, the, the big difference is having, like, just a normal level of service is you're experiencing that instead of being, like, a 100% passive viewer right. and consumer. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. like being able to interact with one, at least one of the chefs, even if there is like a designated talker, that's the person who's like guiding you through this. It, it I, I like anytime it. I can watch, even if it's just an open kitchen, I like seeing the people make my food. I like when the elevator, you can see the gears above it. I just like seeing the stuff happen. So, <laughs> yep. 
Same. I love a Hard clear. Same. Yeah, give me a. <laughs> Kyle, you're so mad. Kyle's like, nope. <laughs> like when there's a clear elevator what and you can see the wires. Broken elevators? Are you like? <laughs> no, it's postmodern. It's not old. I love whenever you. If you got a window where I can see the machinery, I want to see it. I want to see like, the machinery in the box. Let's picture a resort hotel with a yes. glass-backed elevator yes. or something Thank like you, that. Thank you, Chris. Where you can see some of the mechanics as you're rising up. You've never been in a fancy know. glass elevator? That's how you get out of the chocolate is, factory. I don't think of that as seeing gears. I see that as seeing, like, cords yeah, and wires. Some like, stuff. Yeah. If I'm seeing the gears of an elevator, I think that's probably the last thing I'm going to see. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there are some elevators. You have you have yet to experience the best elevators, I guess. But um, okay, sure thing. I've experienced a lot of really good things in my life, and I think I can avoid the best elevators. My point. <laughs> my point is, I like to see inside the box, so I like that of yeah. this experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does seem the thing about strangers though is a great point because the one thing the chefs didn't have to do is talk to strangers. They at least they were hanging out. They they bought out the whole chef's table. So also, it's a, a chef's table for full of chefs on both sides, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's, oh, that's they, true. It's a double chef table. There's nothing but chefs. Yeah, yeah. It's chefs all the they way down. Just, and Gail, they can just turn it around. Oh, yeah, that's true. And, and Gail, Gail <laughs> brought it. I loved her criticism. I loved the Balmain like uh, outfit she was in. She looked. I'm, I'm a huge there fan of Gail. There were so many great one. judges moments on this thing. I also thought when Jamie talked and then Kish lost her mind. Like, oh, yeah. who is this Muppet? <laughs> There was a real, like, Chris and Kish was like, uh, I must draw you. Yeah. <laughs> there is an energy she had of just, like, being completely enraptured. Yeah. Kikish is one of the most serious uh, people. Right. So to see her just crack at somebody yeah. with joy, like, she was not mad about it. Uh, she was like, this is my first experience with yeah. this person. That was great because I was like, I was like, I don't know if Kristen's met Jamie before. That's exactly <laughs> what we were saying. And then they said, What's like, you haven't happen? met Jamie before. And she's like, nope, this is my first time. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, my heart was with party teams so hard oh. the entire episode. Like, sometimes you're like, oh, they're the front runner, you know, because they're party team. And like, yeah, you know, they're not all chefs I like. I like everybody. Their food was amazing. Everything I was just like rooting and whooping and hollering. It was. It was. I'm going to be tempted really to want to cry a lot about this elimination. So let's yeah. start by being really happy about Party Team. Let's just do a pure. Let's not think about the results of this and just think about how great Party Team was. Because okay. from the get go, their menu rules. Yeah, they're, oh, Kaiseki is the structure, but like, yeah, they're like, we're gonna do courses. Interplay. Let's have a course structure. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's also this, a huge advantage that you had Shota, who like knows how to do Kaiseki, which is this like very clear and like one of the critiques of the other team was that they didn't know yeah. the progression, and the Kaiseki yeah. gives you a progression, and they knew it. Absolutely, they, they had Kishota and they listened to him because I feel like. Yeah. Sarah knows progressions, but sure. no one talked. Like, yeah. I'm sure each of them could have done their own progressive meal better. But yeah, yeah the and structure is perfect. Is like they also weren't precious with the structure. Like that was the the next level geniuses. Like they had that as the starting point, so that they had like a roadmap, and they weren't just going out into the like yeah. completely disconnected Amazing. dishes. Yeah. But yeah. then when they when Maria's like, I want to do a tongue sandwich, they're like, Yeah, that's enough for yeah. the third course. Like, sandwich that tastes you back. Yeah. Also, I learned that Sando is a Japanese word and not just short for sandwich. We also learned that, yeah, Sando is like a famous white bread Japanese sandwich that is, um, it's beautiful because of the way the bread is cut. And so it's like a big Instagram sandwich. It's a popular Instagram sandwich. But yeah, I thought they were just being, I thought they were just shortening it. And then I was a little bit annoyed because Sando is the same number of syllables as sandwich. So it's not really helping you save time, but it is a cool word. I think O is an inherently easier syllable to say than which, though. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. 
Absolutely. I, I would rather crush Sandos than crush sandwiches. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like Sando. It sounds cool. I agree with that. Yeah, um, it's, yeah very cool. Uh, yeah, but, but the Lengua was awesome from Maria. Like, Shota's, like, Shiso lotus root situation seemed mm-hmm. like it blew everybody's mind the like, the hot pot where the little fish flakes ah! were waving in the steam breeze was, was like hey guys come eat us <laughs> benito is we're so a hot pot it does that with anything hot and it's wonderful yeah it's, it's really really fun. cool it's like rice krispies you know um and then and then the like uh, the dessert course, which was like the the quadra, quattro le chase, was so good looking, and they were like everyone was like skeptical and then thrilled. Just watching the yeah. judges have so much fun with this progression too is just really really lovely. Oh my they gosh, Gail! Gail was so excited when yeah. she saw the menu. Like I, I've yes. never seen her so giddy. That <laughs> yeah, was she's swearing. Yeah, they were like, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want yeah. that. And that is my absolute way, favorite way to end. And she's like, Yep, okay, cool, awesome. And then she eats the menu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I mean, the main thing that they did was talk, though. I mean, all the food is great. And it does feel like if the other team's food had all been great, it would have been a different conversation. But also, they just, they talked. They tasted each other's food. They worked together on a lot of the dishes. Mm -hmm. A lot of these dishes are Shoda and Maria, Byron and Jamie, um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just, like, lone wolves who happen to be hanging out near other wolves. Yes. Well, and to compare to Team uh, Penny, like, the, the critical air they made was thinking they could all just like fly on their own and they'd be they'd be as good oh what am I trying to say it's like they didn't do the addition by oh god I'm having the worst morning so I, <laughs> may, may I try may Please, I try go to, ahead. to okay read my it's basically, mind the, there's this idea that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts Bingo. and what strong team did is they looked at their parts and they said each of our parts is awesome our whole just without real collaboration and just individual pieces is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what they forgot is all the combining and the teamwork and the and the talking uh, really is what you need yep. to make a, a comprehensive sort of like cohesive service. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think that's the, the major difference that the Chef Tessens didn't realize about this Restaurant Wars is it's, I'd say this was sneakily the easiest Restaurant Wars they've ever had mm-hmm. because they really were just making... 11 dishes like seven courses of 11 dishes and like that is essential they've done challenges like this where one person has to do that yeah i do want to talk about this um because we got a lot of good messages about the um format for this and so let me bring a few other voices in here so um jen on twitter says i think the chef's table instead of restaurant wars was a thousand percent better more intense and more pressure serving fewer judges are going to expect better food i would prefer this going forward and even bigger named judges being at the table to rattle chef testants um at Jake MHS says, can we use this format for Restaurant Wars every year? So much better than cringing through the inevitable front of house backup in normal Restaurant Wars. And Jane said, there's something oddly relieving about a Restaurant Wars format being only for the Top Chef family in one service, as there's less to mess up regarding expediting dozens of tickets and training uh, mm-hmm. front of house team. So the people seem to love this format. It was- the only thing I want to say back to that is what you were just saying, Kyle, which is it does. It, they've had challenges like this. It's just a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a normal yeah. challenge. It's just not a restaurant wars. I love this. It's, it's not a like restaurant a finale. War. Like they were cooking the level of food that we expect. Mm. Like it was a at team the finale. Level. Yeah. But yeah. the the yeah. big thing is rush. The thing that makes restaurant wars so hard and what makes it like more satisfying when people like crush it is it's one the actual thing chefs are doing like week in and week out. They're doing like 
the work and putting it on screen. Yeah. And the other thing is, it's not just about having good ideas. It's about executing it in a way that no other challenge can because you're not making things in that like style and pace. But and don't pressure. we? Yeah, but doesn't pace. having yeah. the pace, doesn't having the, the people having to crank out a ton of food and have to train in front of the house and deal with all those problems, isn't that part of the fun of Restaurant Wars? Don't we want that to be hard in that way? Yeah, we. Uh, t- for me, I I completely agree that restaurant, like a classic restaurant wars, is harder. It's mm-hmm. also what they do, and because it's harder, when you see somebody really shine, they shine even brighter. You know, like True. when you yeah, see yeah, somebody yeah. crush Expo, crush. You know, like uh, yeah, I love watching people expedite too. Is another thing I like. I enjoy that part of the restaurant feel. Yeah. Because there's know. no other challenge on a season that is going to make them flex those muscles. Yes, exactly. That said, did my heart love this more? Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. was awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, does, doesn't anyone ever feel like kind of like bad when someone goes home for like a front of house thing uh, on Restaurant Wars? Where it's like, is that really the thing that they should have gone home for? Like, well, I, always, I mean, it's like somebody asterisk. went home for a dish today and I still feel bad about that. So I think it depends on the person. Really? Okay, we'll talk. If it's somebody annoying and they go home for front of the house, I feel fine about it. Um, But even like when it's like, yeah, I I don't know. I I want, I feel better when it seems like, oh, this is the the core. This is a core skill that you messed up on. Uh, You can be a top chef with being a garbage front of the house person. So that's the times. A lot of the times when you're going home for front of house, what you're really going home for is like not being able to manage what's going on in the kitchen. Like it's timing things and right. like other stuff that is part of your organization, team's, which I do think yeah. is a core restaurant concept. Right. And yeah. getting food in a reasonable time and yeah. like being able to turn over the tables and stuff. Yeah. Turning tables and, and just seeing somebody who understands the full concept of, a, of the job and not just the one part that's fun, I think is always really, I guess... I like restaurant wars when people do well, and it's sad when they do bad. When somebody is good, when they're like, somebody comes out and is like, okay, you guys are wrapping these chairs, everybody taste all the dishes, everybody do this, everybody do this, and it's good. When people are good at expediting, it's so cool to watch. When people are bad, it's sad. But I don't like people doing bad on the show ever. But yeah, I agree it's sadder to see someone go home for something that doesn't seem fair, but I also feel like this is an unjust elimination, and I want to be mad about it, so I don't know that it matters. That it was not front of the house related. Well, is is that what we want to do? Is just transition to talking about Team Penny? Let me and, see if there's anything uh, else I want to say about this. Okay. Um, oh, uh, so Green Mole. That's a was different that mole. Oh, no, that's the second one. Sorry, that's the yep. second one, too. Yeah, I transitioned. Um, uh, do we oh, have, do one we more thing I'll say about the format. Who can talk. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, one more I, thing about the format really quick. 11 diners, $2,500 per team. Yep. That is nobody spent close to that. $230 ingredients per person at that dining table, not counting the other expenses. That is a generous budget. Yep. It is. Um, uh, team uh, Cocosan uh, spent 1600 and Team Penny spent 2100 Oh, I didn't so notice did, that. Neither well, got close to their budget. Well, that's just at Whole Foods. I wonder if they were like counting the specialty markets, too. Right, because the Mercado oh, and the yeah, Asian yeah, yeah, yeah. market okay. and the other... Oh, yeah. quick Some quick shout-outs to the other um, local things I wanted to do yeah. because we went to some cool places. First of all, I got to go back into Whole Foods for the first time in oh, person, yeah. which was fun. Don't. And it looked like they just it, had it to themselves. Look like it. So it looks yeah. like maybe they just could only afford to rent out a whole Whole Foods once for the whole season and not every day. But it looked like it was after hours. Yeah, it yeah. yeah. Dark. On the plus side, yeah. you probably only need two checkout clerks. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Fewer people. But also, um, West Coast Event Productions for decor and logo, whatever. Um, Bloom Design and Flowers. Uwajimite. 
Wedgemaya. 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 Thank Seattle you. Seattle Asian market. Asian grocery store chain. And Portland yeah. Mercado for the Latin market. They went to Flying Fish for the fish market. And then they went to a really cool place called the Side Yard, which is like a micro farm. It's like a half block farm and that restaurant. Dope. It looks so, so cool. And they got to pick some mm-hmm. of their own food. I like that a lot. So, anyways, so I liked those elements. I like the shopping elements. Sorry, Chris. You were saying, and I pushed through with my money nonsense. Oh, no, no, no. Uh,. Nope, I forget. You were gonna it's ask okay. somebody if we had somebody who could talk about who could. The oh, keeper um, of memories. oh yeah. Sorry, I, yeah, uh, the keeper of the records. Yeah. Um, I would love if our keeper of records or anyone who is an aspiring keeper keeper of records could start a mole tally for this season. So yeah. see how many different moles we've seen across the chefs. I'm so glad that you asked that, Chris. I was starting to count. I went back and counted moles from Gabe just to see if he'd made a mole every week, and it is not yeah. as many as I thought. This was only Gabe's fourth or fifth mole. Have um, you counted moles both on the body and also in the ground? Hmm. <laughs> no. As interested as I am in his skin health, it did not occur to me Well, you to get back to me when you bucks. have that tally, because yeah. that's important. Yeah, every, it's no joke. But there's been a lot of other people made year. moles, too, which has yeah. turned me off. But I but Gabe, I thought Gabe made mole every day, and then when I got to three episodes where he hadn't made mole, I gave up. So yeah. he has made a lot, but not every but day. we've seen more mole this season than we have any other season. Yeah, this is clearly sure. the this is a mole fe- festival season, Yeah. Um, which I, I brought up his mole because we went to a restaurant here in L.A. that is famous for their mole their website is ilovemole.com and they had and uh joy ordered a thing called a mole festival which is basically a flight but it's more fun if you call it a festival hey but it was just four different moles from lightest to darkest it was a very good time i love it yeah it's a it's a great great sauce um what else do you have any of the moles there or do they all have uh Meat products. Like chickens, they all have um, so the the mo- they sell the mole paste, which is vegetarian, but then they cook okay. it in chicken stock. And then, in case you were thinking, you know what, I'm not going to ask about the chicken stock. I'll just taste it. They put like half a chicken in each one, just soaking in the mole, so you could <laughs> know that it was off limits. <laughs> they were very clear that they didn't want me to have any. Sorry, bud. But they did bring the chips instead of chips and salsa. The chips came with mole mm-hmm. on them, and I just didn't ask on that. And it had some mole there. It was very good. It's a little it was a little sweeter mole than I've had other places, but. Mm. There was a. It was very nice. Um, yeah, Molly's just really fun. Um, also, from the fun of the house, having fun. I wanted to make sure we bring up um, Tom talking about sex. Do we like it? Is it too gross? <laughs> Absolutely not. Like when did that it, happen again? I forgot. It was a double entendre. Thing. Yeah. So Tom about, oh, said like play stuff. He was like, "It's like I want. It's like foreplay. I want the fun up front." And then Gail, what said, looked at him dead serious and said, "So the rest's not fun for you." Great. Yeah. That was great. So amazing Gale moment, but I feel like yep. not a great Tom moment. Come on, and then, Dad. But then there's the explainer bit afterwards. You, you weren't into He's that. like, you oh, you don't want to laugh in the middle. And, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But it's not as funny as but, her yeah. roasting him for not enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Gale. Beautiful alien. Yeah. Love it. Really solid job. All right. So let's talk about the let's talk about the sad news now. Let's talk more about the the strong team. So, yeah. yeah, from the beginning, terrible edits. Uh, the One of the worst things you can do on Top Chef is have a talking head where you say, I know this doesn't work. Cut to you doing it anyway. Not a yeah. great look. Yep. It's it's the uh, Arrested Development. It's like, so many couples can't do this. But what if we can't? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They couldn't. Yeah. You know, and I was looking at that edit and I said you know, to myself, you know what? The mitigating factor here is all these chefs are so strong. Like... Mm-hmm. Dawn is a badass. She's going to figure out a way to, to succeed. And, well, that was right. But well, it seems like at the cost everything of her else. Team. I don't think there's any dish that she could have picked that would have made sense with, like, creamy, creamy raw fish 
right? Like, yeah, there's, the, there's nothing that leads into that well. Look, I, I didn't like, like the yeah, look of that dish either, but Tom getting... said this dish would have been good first. Yeah. Tom said that the progression is what did it in. But why didn't they just change? Like, that that's the weird thing that also I don't get is why were they set on cooking in that order? They never really yeah. made it clear why, like, they had to go in that. So it seems I, like they didn't know Don's dishes until, yeah, she didn't like, tell the them until very the end. last minute. And yeah. what, we did see a shot of them over the menu saying, "Is are we good on this order? And then after that, she revealed what her dish was. So it was like Sarah was cooking um, as the, the sequel to a surprise dish. Yeah. yeah, and she I, thought it would be a cold dish. Remember, she said, yeah, "I didn't she, realize yeah. it was going to be warm." I, I mean, yes. at the very least, I guess, like, if you don't know what it is, then maybe you shouldn't make assumptions about what it is. Is that fair? Yeah, she could have done yeah. a lot more asking. I yeah, I guess but... we should sort this out. Then it sounds like you think that this is mostly Sarah's fault. I feel like Dawn ruined the. Sorry about the noise. There's a very cool person driving around near us. <laughs> Ooh, oh, that nice. person's dope. Ask for a ride. Oh my oh, god, that's so cool. Um, but the uh, um, yeah, I feel like I feel like Sarah got. Totally sabotaged by a, t- a person who did not play as a team. I feel like Dawn ruined this team and got away I, with it. Oh, huh, I think that was not my. I'm furious about it. Please go. I ahead. don't. Yeah, I, I think she threw like it was. Dawn didn't help, but like Gabe making a worse version of Sarah's dish and serving it as an amuse bouche that was absolutely. Not very I mean, Gabe is also or, bears a lot of responsibility for this for sure. Yeah, Gabe. Sorry, that Gabe was, that was a, a worse version of Dawn's dish. Uh, the, it was a first no. version of Don's yeah, dish, but it was also rare fish. Like <laughs> okay, it was the first version yeah. of everyone's dish. Yes, fair it, enough. It, yeah. It, yeah, it was like combining the first and second courses, but making it poorly and making it so big. Yeah, yeah, it was a bonus, big, bonus chewy, course. weird, stale tasting. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That was a that was such a bizarre choice, and I think that also made Sarah's worse, is because we went raw, yeah. cooked raw. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I don't. I mean. The, the disagreement I have with the statement, Alex, you said about Don sabotaging Sarah is, yes, hers was warm and Sarah's was raw. Had both dishes been good, that would have been a minor criticism that wouldn't have mattered. I feel and like that, I, I like her halibut Dawn, dish I thought was better than, like they, they definitely said that it could have been good in another context. It seemed like they were ready to like it. Yeah, I, I think I, there was a lot of things like, a lot of people were to blame, and I think it is, like, a team failure that she ended up being, like, eliminated for because there was no one there to make decisions on what the order was. They, mm-hmm. they, they all put it on themselves to succeed individually so that yeah. when, like, there were th- decisions like that that needed a leader or, like, a very definitive choice they were hung out to dry because there wasn't anyone making that decision. Well, yeah. they also and said I, they would do all these things together, like we'll do front of house together. Right. And then like Sarah was the only one stressed about front of house because yeah. just nobody else cared. And so if you don't like put somebody in charge and then like whoever cares the most has to do it and yeah. that added all this stress. Yeah. And Dawn is just off cooking. And of course her stuff is great because she's a great cook, but she's not contributing to any of the, mm-hmm. the team stuff that also brought Sarah down. So they, yeah. they didn't have a cohesive plan because Dawn wouldn't decide her dish until it was time to serve. They didn't taste anything because Dawn was off cooking her dish for the first time and didn't have time to come out and taste anything because she was deciding super late. But no one on the team asked her to do anything different. I mean, I mean there was no there was no communication about it at all. I, and so it seemed like like Sarah said, "Hey, should, we should do this," and Gabe said, "No, we don't need to do anything." Like, "Hey, let's handle the front of the house," and he said, "No, we're all hands on deck." Okay, I so I, feel I like didn't Gabe, read it that way Gabe in kept, the meeting. It seemed like I mean, it obviously, like no one wanted to like challenge 
you, you know, everyone was like, okay, we all recognize that we're really great. Right. Um, and we, it felt like they were all, um, you know, wanting to respect each other and wanting to be like, yeah, well, of course we're just going to do well because we're all, mm-hmm. you know, great and we all like each other and no one, um, no one wanted to like go into those details or like, you know, be the one to, uh, take a leadership role or make, make decisions because they just, um, they just all felt like, I don't know. It was like almost like they just didn't want to step on anyone's toes or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, they were very, it was very polite. It was very like, you know, Dawn is uh, uh, not Dawn. Um, Sarah is like, confidence has always been her thing on this season. She's not the most Mm -hmm. assertive with her ideas, but Mm -hmm. I like, and she didn't if, tell anyone. She told the camera that the global theme never works and, you know, that this strategy has never worked on Top Chef. And she, she didn't tell, at least we didn't see her telling the other team members that. That's very true. The only other thing that I think is important is that in her exit interview, Sarah said she was put in a position of leadership and didn't succeed in it. It was in and Last Week's Kitchen. Or it was in that Last Week's Kitchen. That was so that. confusing. Yeah. And we didn't yeah. see that version of the edit. So I don't know how that actually worked, that she yeah. felt like she was leading the team and failing. But or that all four of them were each leading their own portions of the menu. Yeah. And felt like they were adrift without yeah. a cohesive leader across the group. I mean, I, I, you know, like, yes, things broke down. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that, you know, Gabe isn't like doesn't bear some fault or Don doesn't bear some fault or even Sarah doesn't bear some fault. But I think in terms of dishes, what they were judged on appears to be of the pe- three people who weren't Don who had the best dishes and who had the least best dishes because each one had a win and yep. a loss. Yep. And I think that, you know, for the judges that Sarah's salmon skin, her success was not as successful as the other two. As the ice cream. And yeah. Dale did not ask for seconds of, those, of that skin. That's very yeah. true. And so but, it's, it's unfortunate because like everybody fell down on the job. So bit, this is another thing know? about this version of Restaurant Wars is that you do suffer from a lack of leadership, but you don't know who to punish for there being no leadership. Whereas in a normal right. restaurant war structure, you have the leader who failed. And I mm-hmm. like that version of a position of leadership where you can have somebody like, oh, people didn't listen to me. I did everything I could, as opposed to like, well, we all just didn't do any. We all just did bad. So it's hard to know who to send home. I think that's a team failure, though. Like, that's the, I think it is. Yeah, I just sent all four of them this home, team then. because the four of them said, like, we want to like not ha- no one wanted that responsibility no one wanted the front of house behavior responsibility and they also like made the conscious choice to say we want to do unobtrusive service which was also another one of the many like death knells like early on once you heard the fir- you saw the first service at Kokosan and see how they were like this is what we want from this experience we want to be taken care of we want to be engaged throughout so knowing like I knew they were going to have a disastrous service because it was being edited that way, but also the fact that they said that their goal is unobtrusive service, that they were automatically going to fail because that was also their plan. Yeah, I, if their food, this is the one where if the food was great, maybe they'd yeah. say, "I loved the way we didn't." It was a very minimalist. Yeah, who knows? Um, like I, it just—I mean, the food was not good enough. That was an issue, but I. Which I don't know if that would have been even solved by having people taste each other's dishes because if people had been like walked over and been like, oh, you're creamy raw halibut. Oh, that's great. Like that wouldn't have helped either. You're creamy raw halibut. We should switch courses. Yeah, that's something that could have helped for sure. And that might have made that work. Maybe the creamy halibut as a surprise first bite would have really been interesting. If Penny had just not done the amuse-bouche, started with the creamy halibut, 
move that pasta course up to like second or totally. third instead of fifth and then have yeah. Don scallop and ham broth which like seemed like it it was the third course but it could have been later because it, it seemed very hearty yeah 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 because yeah. yeah. of the ham water yeah. yeah, but also like you know, case in point in terms of these chefs are all being a little too polite to each other. You know, the taste notes on uh, Byron's tortellini and brodo is, oh, your your broth is good, your your broth is tasty, and everybody agreed the broth was tasty. But he made pasta completely the wrong way, and it was fragile and weird, and nobody the liked. The second it. time he made pasta the wrong way, a different. Yeah, he was way. like, I'm yeah, gonna correct yeah. from my last mistake, and then made it totally. It seems like maybe uh, he doesn't know how to make pasta. Because I've never, you know, adding the egg whites is a weird, that's not, that's not how you make it, right? It's not what you do. (laughs) You can do it, you can do it. And is there not like a whole egg preparation? Is that not a thing? It might be, but. No, I know it. But like, I know there's like, he's had like, like, he had a yolk and it was too, right? But like, can you just, just, uh, just a whole egg? Shell and all. Apparently you, the whole shell, yeah, great idea. That's what's missing. (laughs) I need more egg, more parts of the egg. Get a full chicken. Can I get the chicken? A coop. Too many chefs are wasting their shells. Like, that's the future of eggs, is yeah. figuring out how to use the shells and eliminate food waste. Yeah. Oh, like soft, these chefs like soft shell doing. eggs? Yeah, yeah. Like soft shell crabs? Instead of, like, uh, uh, tip to tail, it's just shell to shell. We want the whole egg. <laughs> this was just a thing with banana peels in the New York Times. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Can we eat those now? Banana peels. I, I agree as long as their point was more comedic falls on sidewalks. <laughs> we already have a perfect use for banana peels. You don't need to eat them. They need to help people slip and fall. I'm totally going to try this. It looked really good. <laughs> Did it, it was really? like a curry of no, yeah. No, yeah, don't, don't, cool. don't make me eat it. I don't want it. Um, yeah, I. Okay, so other things we got to mention for Penny. Oh, two things that Penny did, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hot towels. Ooh, with essential oils. With That's essential oils, the- which as soon as they did, I thought it was going to be the death of them because having smelly candles like ruined another team early on in Restaurant Wars. But yeah. the chefs, or the, the, the judges, loved the hot towels. To- they freaked out over the hot towels. It was an A-plus move. Gabe, Gabe had two A-plus uh, front of house moves that he then backed away from because there's that and probably the other thing you're going to mention, which is uh, was, the non-alcoholic Gregory's uh, drink. drink option to start, which I thought was fantastic. More so restaurants do this. classy. It is becoming just part of what hospitality is these days. And, I, I loved that. You know, it's great. A big, big fan. Um, but and then in the very end, it's so sad. Sarah, who was my pick to win the whole season and still might be, Went home. Um, I'm not ready to. I mean, we were talking a little about the editing logic, Megan, but the um, uh, the fact that we learned so much about her and we've seen so much of her, it kind it makes it seem a little surprising if she's just Gonzo at this point. Because mm-hmm. we had we got we spent a lot of time with her in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. And Don't I mean, partially she because she was in the top five of the first seven episodes, so obviously exactly. we had to hang out with her. But then she might have a chance to come back. She's a really strong chef, and I, you know, for my money, I thought Gabe was going to be the one eliminated this season, uh, this episode. Um, I sure would have preferred that. Yeah, We'd have the Gabe sure. problem solved, and then also uh, I, that amuse was so weird. The amuse was so weird, and an overly bitter uh, charred octopus uh, dish just didn't yeah. seem good. But I guess enough people really liked it. It uh, also seems like Sarah's skin dish. People were not like they were like they were, depending on the edit. You could tell you could say they loved it or hated it, but it did not seem as clear that it was. There were fewer negative things about the bitter octopus than there were people who were like, 
You just yeah. bragged that you threw away a whole salmon? That's weird. Well, yeah, and it's also because Penny did not have a cooked fish dish, and mm-hmm. where that dish, salmon skin dish fell in the mm-hmm. progression, the expectation was that you were getting something more substantial. Yeah. Whereas yeah. all you skin. got was the skin. Yeah. Which, salmon skin can be freaking delicious. And her sure. dish, vegetable forward, looked great. It's just, I think, again, where it fell in the progression was, mm-hmm. uh, yep. you know, had an expectation that went along to it and if they had looked at this menu and talked as a team they would have been like should we put fish on this menu i think that they (laughs) if they had only here's what they could have done right if it's just like um if instead of like penny which doesn't mean anything if there's just been like um i don't know maybe like Awkward transitions was like the name of the thing, where it's just like j- jarring tasting notes. The uh, last restaurant I would ever sign up to voluntarily eat at is Awkward Transitions. Well, it's free. That, so. Between every course, they slap you in the face with the Yankee Candle Company candle. <laughs> um, anyway, you guys, so that's why I don't talk to my ex wife anymore. Would you like some more water? <laughs> Oh, man. Awkward transitions is an awful idea. But I do actually like the serious point that you accidentally were making is that the naming of the restaurant mattered. The fact that they picked the basically they picked knife block. They picked we were chosen at random as the name of their restaurant slash Gabe's child. Weird choices. But the fact that they had put no thought into the restaurant name was part of them putting no thought into the concept. And if they had said our concept is every other dish is raw or whatever, then they would have you re- ref- referred back to that when they were choosing the thing. Oh, yeah. That's true. Flip, Half flip raw. A flip a coin. Yeah, the coin, yeah. Or, yeah. or each raw dish. Cooked. Wait. <laughs> other idea. The first dish has a fish head. The second one has a tail in it. They do Oh, heads and tails. Heads and tails. You do a little yeah. bit of, you do tongue and then you do oxtail. Like you could really... There's a real meal in here. Everything you've said is a better idea for composition. Seriously, just again, because any like, any concept at all would be like, good. Um, even the bad ideas are. We leave you. Yeah, a penny for your thoughts. We leave you alone with your thoughts and don't bother you during service. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in my restaurant is dressed as Abe Lincoln. All the servers, all the chefs. <laughs> instead of a white taupe, they've all got a, a stovepipe hat. Lincoln's all the way down. It's fake beards and with pans. beard nets. <laughs> yeah, copper pans. I love this. I love this. Okay. And a little bit of theater, but you don't get to see the ending. Oh. All right. Enough. The end. Uh, dinner theater. Um, okay. So moving on to Last Chance Kitchen, Sarah Noah drops into Last Chance Kitchen, and it is a tough pill to swallow. But like I always say, a spoonful of steak helps the medicine go down. Tom says her progression wasn't good enough. Uh, not her fault. Um, so he wants a three-course tasting menu of just the spoons. Sasha gives him tomatoes with a bit of feta scallop with a pea-sized pesto and a spoon flanked by steak. Sarah goes red pepper soup sip, skimp of scallop, and itty bitty bone steak. Itty bone steak. Itty bone steak. There it is. Okay. Um, Sometimes I write them and then forget that the pronunciation is crucial. How is I going to do this? Like I meant when I was saying amuse, the the amusement park. I was supposed to say amusement park and I forgot. Uh, Anyway. Oh, so when you just take it twice, that's what it means? You're like trying to like ease your way back into the the pronunciation? It helps. It helps. All right. Anyway, um, she did. Both of them served a spoonful of steak, Kyle. That's why I said that. Anyway, apparently Sarah's. a spoon very full of steak. So extremely full. (laughs) I would not call what Sasha had was a spoon. That was like yeah. A I was like, oh, she got to use the the, uh, the handle spoons. plate. Yeah, yeah, handle plate. Um, yeah, the the middle and the 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 first spoon was like a ramen spoon, and then the second spoon was like just like a frying pan, but made out of spoon stuffs. 
And then the third one just looked like a bowl. So yeah. she did go pretty big. But Whereas and Sarah, Sarah had integrity for the t- challenge. Absolutely. She had ramen spoons the entire way through. Straight spoons, yeah. Ooh, I do like this idea of like a concept where it's like, let's make you feel like, like a tiny person. Uh, and like basically it's just, it's just like you got a full ladle. Like it's like, uh, like a pitchfork and a ladle as your utensils. I'm into this. I've, you got me. Tiny person <laughs> I, restaurant. I'm very into it. All of the decor is just a little too big. Your chair is a little bit too big. Everything you're just like... Yeah. Oh, and it's kick your little chair is a little bit too big. It's just like my life. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, the restaurant. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just all have a Megan restaurant. It's actually not that fun. (laughs) (laughs) Not even for one night. I would like it for one night. Yeah, the urinal's a little too tall, so you have to use a stool in the bathroom. It's great. No, not to. We're talking about food. (laughs) Not to blow anyone's mind, but this is the theme of the restaurant, the new like uh, Marvel Disney Park. There's like. Oh, is it an uh, Ant-Man ride? There's an Ant-Man, like, it's not a ride, it's a restaurant that has, like, um, small food, things that are supposed to be small are big, and things that are supposed to be big are small, and, like, the entire idea is, like, it's all shrunken and large stuff. That's kind of huh. fun. I like okay. this, actually. Oh, wait, yeah, and there, there's a, yeah, so the, there's a, a Pim Test Kitchen also, so. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I uh, forgot yeah. about that, yeah, uh, that's, uh, what can we eat here, then? What, what's on the menu? Uh, there's uh, like a big chicken sandwich with a very tiny bun, so it's like the chicken was too big, so it's like a plate-sized fried chicken uh, cutlet, but with like a regular like slider bun on top. Oh, okay. I'm that's open to that. Yeah. Whoa, look at that cutlet on the tiny slider bun. All right, that's pretty funny looking. <laughs> I mean, the thing about the the this LCK challenge was not necessarily like the, the challenge wasn't getting it all onto a spoon, right? It's just cooking three distinct courses that have progression in 30 freaking minutes because you can yeah. take whatever you cook and cut it small, you know? Well, but it's also like if you have like a big plate, you have the sauce and the vegetables, you also have to like get the like components that small. It's like what happened with Sarah yeah. when she tried to make that sauce, but yeah. making a tasting portion is like, well, this won't blend. <laughs> yeah. It I, was, I, I wasn't funny. paying attention. Could she just have made more sauce? Yeah, she could have like, made more sauce and taken a spoon of it, but she just it was, hadn't. It was raw, though. Like, maybe it just didn't have it, that yeah. much. It was, it's like it was we too only expensive, got so much. probably. Yeah. Yeah. They had $1,500 left over. They could have been fine. <laughs> um, so just quick back to this Ant-Man kitchen. Um, PB3, which is a peanut butter, jelly, and bacon sandwich? Yeah. Maybe? Peanut butter and peep. Anyway, there's something going on. The bread is blue. It's got a banana smoothie shooter and tater tots. That's crazy. And then, yeah, one of their things is a meatball that is comically large, served in a gig- like like the kind you'd hang on the wall ladle with a teeny fork. That's fun. Good job, you guys. Way to be like this. crazy and gross. Um, anyway, uh, that's mm, last. You know who would, who would love that? Is that um, that um, cruise? Uh, restaurant that we had. Right? Oh. <laughs> oh, the Carnival Cruises. It would be all about that. Yeah, we haven't had a challenge in a while where the chefs had to pretend they liked the brand more. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. I liked that restaurant. All right, so that's Last Chance Kitchen. Before we go to the oh. mailbag... Wait, more, Chris? Oh, I just had. I wanted to ask, like, how do you guys think that Sasha and Sarah actually did? I know Alex is pleased that, that Sarah is, is well, still... Well, it's rough because I loved Sasha. I was really yeah. rooting for Sasha against almost she everybody. Like she had her act together, that she was really talking about things in a focused, progressive yeah. way. But I uh, suspect from the way the judging went down that Sarah's was clearly better because Tom yeah. went back to front. And if you, if you have to read them out of order mm-hmm. to make it seem competitive, that means the first two courses were clearly yeah. Sarah's. Fair well, enough. Something That's happened with Sasha's first course where she was like, well, I guess I'm just going to serve this over goat cheese. Right? Yeah, I can't remember what happened to her minute. thing. The yeah. feta didn't whip right. Like when she whipped the yeah. feta, oh, it yeah. tasted funky. Yeah, yeah, it tasted bad. 
Yeah, so yeah. it's just charred tomatoes and feta, which I'm sure is good, but maybe not so complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But it was also, it, they changed the goat cheese instead of feta. I so. mean, goat cheese, yeah. 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 Right, right, yeah. right. But I am excited for Sarah because it seemed like she had a lot of chaotic brain going on. Like, I don't, this is all happening so fast. She looked she swamped gets... at the end of that challenge. Which, oh my I, gosh. I mean, three three yeah. courses in 30 minutes is insane. But she, like, yeah. Sasha had it together and Sarah looked like this was the worst half hour of her life. Well, what I'll say <laughs> is that it's remarkable how quickly people, uh, like, acc- uh, acclimatize yeah. to the pace of LCK. Yeah. And so once Sarah gets that pace in her head, I think she's going to be a beast. But Oh, I, I think so know. too. That's why I'm, I Sorry. think there's definitely a chance of her coming back we don't know how many episodes but depending like, on yeah, maybe uh, two to three something. Yeah, yeah i think he said there are a few i think he said more, a few yeah is, yeah which i assume yeah. is three but is not a technical definition yeah there's there's three people definitely left that if it went if there weren't like shockers i would be like oh yeah i think she could probably get back in there. and and with the shockers i think she could hold her own on on them but yeah i think yeah. she beats chris and byron for sure mm-hmm. i think she beats gabe i don't know if she beats shoda i Maria, she well like I mean, so Shoda, Maria, and Gabe, I think, are all, I mean, flip a penny. I mean, both of those, like, could go either way. Both of them would be great, and it just depends on who does a little better that moment. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't uh, think any of those are, like, I think Fire and Chris are the easy ones, but. There Kyle, was what's a up? weird yeah. moment also, like, once Tom, like, said Sarah won, where she kind of, like, went from, like, scared run to, like, all right, good, this is my place. Like, there was, like, a weird <laughs> interview of, like, all right, bye, Sasha. <laughs> yeah. Also, now Sasha is in the peanut gallery again, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah I but I wish they, well, I miss, I miss I miss Roscoe. our old peanuts. I miss the old peanuts. Absolutely. I'm excited At for At any the, rate, more than one peanut the... is better than Avishar by himself. By himself? Sure yeah. Nothing yeah. to say. Even when, <laughs> when he said, what you making, Sasha, he looked like it was awful to have to have done. <laughs> but he also got shut down every time he asked a question. They were just like can't Nothing. talk right now <laughs> right and, and you know that we obviously we can all assume avishar was not out of just curiosity yelling what are you making there's a producer that's like i need you to ask her what she's cooking and then they did not respect him for it and it must be so crushing <laughs> maybe or or could just not make, maybe there's like a nice conversation it just didn't make the edit and they're right. like you know what let's 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 really let's really lean into awkward avishar <laughs> yeah aquashar aquashar all right um so that's last chance kitchen sarah continues on has it i think has a shot maybe of coming back we'll see Couple more weeks. Um, from zero to five stumps. How well did this episode showcase Portland? Three stumps. Three stumps? Know. You just making that up? Is there any? Portland like a, there were more locations in this episode than most. That's true. The local local stuff definitely worth a couple of stumps, especially going to that um, garden. They went by so fast, though. Yeah, there's. I had to go back and, yeah. and rewatch it three times to get all of them written down. But and, and then did somebody like the, serve something on a stump? Someone did. I, yeah, we didn't even, stump, stumpy plates, right? The lotus roots. <laughs> Give me plates. I just want a plate. We've solved this problem, you guys. We don't need it to be wood. We don't need it to be just part of something else. Just give me a plate. And also, like, if you have one of those, you have to set it down with two hands or, like, set it down on the edge of the table and, like, push it in if it's only Yeah, it doesn't one-handed. have a lip. Yeah. Also, yeah. just imagine scrape, like, dr- like trying to get some sauce and you're just pulling your fork across just a piece of tree. No, Come there was on. a paper thing. But yeah, there's yeah. like, yeah. Well, l- let me see this picture that we oh, have. Oh, my taste of sauce is now soaked into a tree. Yeah. <laughs> the tree yeah. ate my I don't know. sauce. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna give it yeah, stump and a half, you know. And it was like a mostly a sandwich, yeah. But oh, I, yeah. Hate it. I hate it. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you, Chris. It gets like a two stump. We got like yeah. there are all those places, and there's a coin flip. But I don't really know if tasting menus yeah. or um, right. uh, I know. Are, are, well, I guess are there a lot of introverts? I feel like that's, that's there's a lot of introverts in Portland okay. for sure. I think that's reasonable. The other the only other Portland thing I'll, I'll I think is worth mentioning is the is the organs motto is she flies with her own wings. 
Uh-huh. And I feel like that was the, also the motto of Penny was our own wings, no sharing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, but I, also Restaurant Wars doesn't need to be a hyper-specific no. location. No. Yeah. So yeah. That's yeah. Not what Just we checking need. in. It's so like uh, a stump or two, but yeah. Okay, so good. one stump for the for the um, places they went, one stump for the logo, and one stump for there being a stump. That's it. There you go. Three stumps. What was uh, Salmon Street? Like they also prominently showed. Oh, the so, okay, so that was the event Street. space, right? So the event space was called Red on Salmon Street, which is okay. funny because they did they threw away the salmon, but that is a very cool. So so that's in the um, southeast industrial area, and it's a renovated old uh, warehouse industrial space that has as its centerpiece, which I don't think we actually saw in this, but as a centerpiece is like a 25-foot-tall um, former industrial press that was used in the old machinery there that they've, like, gotten all the gross rust and, and stuff off of and painted green. It's really cool looking. So I, it's, it's, I got, Alex, I do you get to see the gears? <laughs> is it in a glass box? <laughs> it's not in a glass box. You can see the outside gears, but you can't see inside of the machine what the machine oh, is that's doing. That's pretty so. cool. You can do a lot. This would have been good for the um, for that that weird uh, like tortilla thing that the game was trying to do. Just like get, get the stamping. Yeah, you mean a tortilla press? Tortilla yeah. press? Yeah. This yeah. is like a yeah. a three story tortilla press. It's I, I it's like it's right near Helium Comedy Club where I spend a lot of time in Portland and so I walked by them while they were renovating that place a lot of times and got to watch it tur- turn into red. It's very cool. So yeah, nice. I, I good for them advertising their event space, I guess. But um, yeah, not worth a whole stump on its own. But good question. All right, so let's jump into the mailbag. Um, oh, let's talk about concepts. So uh, at Lindsay, uh, something on Twitter. Um, not just at Lindsay. Um, the Kaiseki idea plus Latino Asian theme was brilliant. It gave them the structure that really worked, which we all agree on, and um, pretty much every dish featured a collaboration between at least two team members, which seemed to keep things unified. In contrast, Don not deciding things to the last minute made it tough for the rest of the team to tie things together, and they didn't have as strong of a scaffolding with the seafood theme. Also, I love Shota's response to judging table, re-the-tongue sandwich. I don't remember that one. Did it was sh- braised. They said, how does oh, the tongue fit Oh, right, right. Yeah, He's yeah. like, it's a braised course. Super solid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they went, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well done. I'll take also, it. Also on the concept, at Leprechaun um, says, I want Jamie, Shota, Maria, and Byron to open Cocosan for real. Yeah. Every dish looked ridiculously good, especially that hot pot. Mm-hmm. Really? Because that looking at this picture of the hot pot, like eh. it yeah. does not look delicious in still form. It, it was the opening. It was the setting yeah. down the of quivering the quivering. Yeah, just maybe in gift good. form only. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, have I got great news for you if you liked that idea of that restaurant opening as a restaurant. Shoda announced on Instagram that they are going to be opening pop-up S question mark of Cocosan. So they are going to be doing Cocosan pop-ups. And that is also related to this email from Bridget, which says Shoda has a YouTube channel where he's making Top Chef recipes every week. This one has a fun ending. And then tagged the a recent one about fish heads. So... Um, here, did you guys see how brilliantly Shoda has approached his time on Top Chef? No, but this I, I Shoda.biz like Yeah, so we saw the merch. So basically, Shoda has a YouTube channel where he cooks whatever he cooked on Top Chef that week. They're doing pop-ups. He's doing pop-ups with other chefs from the show mm-hmm. with related that. things. So we saw that they were selling shirts for Team Tiny, and he's doing pop-ups of Cocosan. Basically, Shoda was like, "If I my restaurant is closed." I'm on this show. I am going to make a business out of this product. Like, if people like it, yeah. I'm going to give it to them. And so they've done. Uh, he's done other pop-ups related to this in Seattle and other places. So Shoda is maximizing his Top Chef appearance, and I like it a lot. Um, yeah, 
if he had a weird personality, we would be grumbling. But wait, 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 this is exactly what you said, Joe, when I mentioned this was that like people on other reality shows trying to turn it into a full time business is gross. Right. Yeah. Like um like Big Brother people who are like just mentioning their DJ brand all the time or whatever. But because Shoda's amazing, it's amazing. Because I think we it's like a combo the of Shoda and pandemic and yes. Our, yes. our understanding Show-demic. of the yeah. situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I think it's great. Um so I'll put a link to the um to Shoda's YouTube page in the notes, but you should definitely check out uh, other things. If you're near Seattle, go check out one of Shoda's restaurants because that sounds awesome. Um um, let's see what else. Uh, oh, um, Jane number one on Twitter says, I'm looking forward to hearing your take on the new flavor of Top Chef. Top Chef, meet your heroes, a.k.a. Top Chef Amateurs. Did you guys watch the yeah. trailer for Top Chef Amateurs? I saw, no. like, I think we saw a little bit of yeah, it. Yeah, like a, a uh, We saw that it was preview. happening. Yeah. Um, Bravo's description, which this is going to start airing soon, which they taped at the same time in Portland. From Bravo, in each 30-minute episode... Amateur chefs will compete in head-to-head challenges, trying their hands at such familiar Top Chef rituals as the mise en place race, blind taste test, and attempting to successfully make the most disaster-prone Top Chef dish, risotto. Oh. Are you... What, Ez? I just watched the end of Shota's video, uh, oh. and it is a great ending. All right. Um, well, that is even more of a tease for that video <laughs> on YouTube, which you should all definitely check out. Um, how do you guys feel about Top Chef Amateurs? I can tell you that if I were in a mise en place race, I would definitely lose. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, well, yeah. I could do one thing. Like, I feel like there's like there's like maybe three things I can prep like with good speed. What is there that? is so, literally nothing I can do fast <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> if it is apple slices, I feel like I really got that. Oh sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with our like apple slicer that you just go. <laughs> oh, okay. you got to no, no, I don't even need that. We uh, also wait till you see slicer. me blend. Oh, I'm so good at blending. <laughs> <laughs> What no, are your I, other sure. two? Yeah, what are your other two, Ez? Um, so I actually do feel pretty good about my onion situation. Yeah. I'm not um, terrible with, onions. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah. Um, I think my, my friend Lindsay taught me how to do that after a nail salesman, I think, showed her, like, uh, when he was like, this is how you cut, uh, this is like, please buy these knives. This is how you, uh, you know, chop an onion. And she was like, oh, that makes sense to do it. A nail salesman? No, no. Uh, sorry, did I say nail? Knife. That knife is also what that I makes heard. way more sense. Because <laughs> okay. like, there was a brief time a... where she was like, I was just stuck on a train going east with a nail salesman. <laughs> got nothing to do but a box of onions. Let's <laughs> <laughs> try um, to figure out where that story yeah, that's went. that's a better universe, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I'm all right. Kyle, do you have a Mies that you're good at? A Mies that I'm good at? Um, I don't think so. I'm pretty slow uh, when it comes to Mies. Like, I cook fast, Mies slow. <laughs> <laughs> I work hard. I'm I'm me's harder. Yeah. Um, oh, one more from the episode I wanted to add. Uh, oh, I was gonna say, with Top Chef amateurs. I'm not. I mean, the thing that I like about Top Chef is that they are incredibly talented professionals. So the I'm excited for Gail to host a show. But the one thing to change is that they're not as good at cooking. It's hard to get me as excited. Here's I I'll I'll watch it. You know, because uh, yeah. also I, I support Gail Simmons and her brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. It will make you sort of, I, I hope, it will make me appreciate how good chefs who do these things every single day, all day, mm-hmm. get at these things. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that I want to see a whole season of it, necessarily, but it might well, make me be like, oh, that is really hard. Also, just based on that description you gave, if it's a 30-minute show where it's like two people going head-to-head... I think this is going to feel drastically different than an yes. actual Top Chef. This is going to feel more like 
supermarket sweep almost. It yep. sounds like chop, chop, chop doesn't chef. it? A little bit, but it's also like, it's just a thing of like, this average person is going to try and do something in the kitchen, but it's not about them failing. It's about them like actually trying and right. learning. Yeah. And it, 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 it's, it, it sounds like it's going to be just like a completely different experience than what we want and get from Top Show. So maybe it could be good. It sure is shit going to be different. Um, I, going back in time a little bit back, one more thing about the elimination from Jane or a couple of quick things about the elimination from Jane um, first of all Jane mentions that Gregory even warmed, warned them with personal experiences from his first restaurant wars about uh, the exact mistakes that they went on to make but on the other hand I was super excited about the lingua sandwo uh, apologize for the gross, to gross out the vegetarians but beef tongue can be so tender and delicious do you guys have are you guys pro tongue I don't I don't like it no, I, I don't think we've really had it. I mean, I, I think it's like if you see tongue on the menu, you know that must be good because that's what would right. have to be to put it on the menu. So that's I also a good assume sign. if there's tongue on the menu, the restaurant is good in general because they have the confidence to make tongue. But mm-hmm. Chris, yeah, you're into it. Yeah, I am. I mean, like you know, I had this is annoying to say, but when I was in Mexico City yeah. uh, the other year, you know, had some really amazing lengua tacos. I think um, lengua. You're right. It, I, it's exactly what you just said. If it's on the menu, usually it's good because somebody knows how to do it well. And it's but does it, it does it, it does it seem at all like when you're eating a lengua taco, you're like French kissing it? Uh, no more so really than you are with approach guacamole. You know. <laughs> well, but guacamole is not a tongue, and that's it's not. Avocados can't French kiss, but a cow can. It's a, it's a tree tongue, buddy. <laughs> I'd, I'd prefer to make out with an avocado than a cow tongue. Actually, Me avocado too. like that, that comes from like the root of, uh, of I think it's like testicle as well. So it's like that's no, my yeah, it, no. I'm, up, I'm not even kidding, dude. I'm not kidding. I will. Send <laughs> but you, you admit a link that you this. would have made this up and would be kidding, right? Yes. You're not I in this would. case, but it definitely sounds like a thing you would have made up. That's very true, but no, uh, this is this is this is legit. But this does sound. I agree. I'm never going like to call it that again. goof. Um, all right, and then uh, lastly, from J- or a little bit more from Jane was I. Um, I knew that Restaurant Wars would el- likely eliminate one of my favorites, but I. Um, I think the relative lack of drama and explosive tension made this a harder one to predict. I automatically yeah. assumed Chris would go home because his mistakes were repeats. Plus, I'm used to hearing a Chris get told to pack up and go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's bad. I mean, even when I was listening back to the episode last week, because I've heard y'all say my name over a number of seasons of this show, every time you're talking about Chef Chris Falud and you just say Chris, I'm like, ah! yeah. <laughs> Wait, me? With me? Right, because yeah, it's your friends saying Chris on the, into your ears. Yeah, and that must exactly. be distracting. And so I always think I'm going home, or by extension, that Chris is going home. And lastly, uh, on Twitter from Sean, um, Portland's own Ian Carmel was talking about Top Chef, both in general and this season specifically, on his podcast this week. So um, Ian, uh, one of Portland's favorite sons, um, who we ran into last week um, in L.A., um, has a show that's a little bit sportsy um, called All Fantasy Everything, and they were talking this week about best shows to have on in the background, and he talked about... Um, Top Chef, so and specifically about Portland Top Chef, which I feel is a little bit insulting. It's not really a background show yeah. for me, but it could be. And certainly uh, repeat seasons. If you go like turn on an old season, I'd put that mm-hmm. in the background. I could hear that. But I, yeah, I, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I hear that. That's a common opinion. I have a, one of my really good friends loves having Top Chef on in the background. She's like, I'm just getting obsessed with having Top Chef on. I'm like, oh, what season are you watching? And she's like, I don't know. It's in the background. <laughs> and I'm like, to me, and I think to us and how we talk about Top Chef on this show, and I hope, yeah. hopefully our fans will agree, it's about the details. Yeah. It's about noticing the little things. And it, that seems so hard to have in the background. I totally agree. And then I'll put, but I, I'll put Iron Chef on in the background. Because there's no season arc. I'll just like, there's just right. some people cooking while I'm doing other stuff. Um, so yeah, I could, I could hear it, but if you, but it's obviously not our thing. Um, I am incapable of having anything on in the background. <laughs> yep, if there's a TV on, I'm watching it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not just because you I'm love in the t- other room. <laughs> that's not just because you love TV. That's because it is distracting. It's yeah, not just like, I, TV, my favorite thing. I, I just can't. I, I am not capable of tuning things out. Um, yeah. Chris, do you have a background show that you like? I'm similar to Megan. Yeah. Where uh, even though I think I'm doing something with a screen on in the background, really what I'm doing is watching the screen with a detail-based task that I'm trying to do right. in the background. And it's horrible. Even so if there's like I, a white noise machine, you're like, what are the details of this noise? What are they trying to say <laughs> yeah, to me? I, I, I have to get the right white noise. Right. Like, I, 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 I can't. This noise isn't white enough. <laughs> I can do like the one that's like, sounds like you're on an airplane, and that's like the only one I can do. Yeah. Um, yeah, you put on back, whale sounds and you're just was, very engaged in the whales. Yeah, sorry. Back when I was in college and maybe law school too, I would have the food network just yeah. generally on in the background. Wow. And that was perfection, but not recently. I will. I will definitely say that I, I like a background TV and I Food Network is perfect for it. Um, uh, Discovery Channel is a lot of background TV. HGTV is background TV. And you can tell you're watching background TV because every four minutes they explain not only this episode, but the concept of the show in general. <laughs> it feels bad when I'm like watching several episodes in a row and every commercial to break, they're like, okay, so the concept of this is two brothers who are having to create their own house renovations next to each other. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, it's embarrassing. But they, uh, th- those are all good uh, background channels, and they know it. Um, Joel, background show? I don't really watch anything that close. Well, so that's not, right, I assume it's true for you, as in Sarah as well. Your background show is um, Frozen Two over and over and over again. <laughs> yes, that's right, <laughs> all the time. Uh, I can but do I a also, background podcast. Oh, I need yeah. to be doing things with my hands when I'm watching something, so I do a lot of needlework, and I actually like for this to you know, know something about this episode. I had to set down my needlework and take some notes. Yeah, but. you got you had way less acupuncture during this when episode. When you say, I was going to say, you meant a voodoo doll, right? Yeah. It's like, I have my enemies and I no, have to poke them really precisely. She's doing heroin. It's kind of unnerving actually to watch during the show. It's like Julia's just practicing giving herself injections. Or it's a tattoo artist, right? Tattoo artist, yeah. Yeah, I'm needlework. for ink, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I, that brings us in the mailbag. I didn't even play the song. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought that was a mercy. Oh. <laughs> Do it twice now. I was so excited. <laughs> All right, you guys can get in touch with the mailbag by going to packyourbikes.com. You can also send us uh, messages on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, podcast at read-weep.com if you want to send us an email. And we really appreciate everybody who sends us stuff for the mailbag. We really appreciate hanging out with you. It's been um, the best part of the season so far. And that brings, speaking of which, that's the end of our episode. Do you guys watch the preview for next week? Yeah. Yes. I've already forgotten. What are they doing next week? Recipes. Test recipes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
that was really interesting because they're all making cookbooks right now. So it makes sense that they would go through the process of testing recipes and then handing it off. Yeah, it's just just merchandising. Because you also delegate, you know, like when you're a head chef, there are days you want to take off. So you delegate to your staff. So, I mean, like you should be able to write recipes. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And it... It, it, but it doesn't doesn't it suggest that somebody is going to go home for a dish someone else made? Yeah, uh, but I'm excited to see Melissa and Gregory back in the kitchen. Yeah, oh, that's true. That is really great. Getting the all stars cooking in there, but but uh, also like I am really excited to maybe see Melissa King struggle. Oh, because <laughs> it looked like she was there. Oh. Like I don't know if I'll have a oh, dish. Yeah. <laughs> no stakes struggling. She's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For this. yeah. She's doing yeah. great. Uh, but struggle. Like it's it's interesting to see like very talented experts struggle at something that they aren't on the hook for. So like there is like they have the they won't because they respect the ga- the like competition. But they yeah. could just check out and be like, well, yeah, that's on the yeah. recipe. Wow, three hours. Never gonna get that done. <laughs> <laughs> I do that with recipes all the time. I think they should do actually for a more genuine recipe experience. They should make a bunch of substitutions based on what they had lying around. Yep. So she'd be like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, well, didn't really have enough double O flour, so I'm going to use this rice flour I had. Yep. And I don't but, have but that. I'm just using yogurt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yogurt. So we only have yogurt, so it's everything is yogurt from now on. Wow. I loved this delicious yogurt you served us. It was nice and tart. Yogurt eight ways. <laughs> In a spoon, in an absurdly large ladle, just pour it over your head like a Nickelodeon game show. <laughs> you said the magic word. <laughs> yeah, I feel like every because every recipe online, the comments are like, "Well, I sub- I changed this, I changed this, I changed this, I got rid of all of the sugar, I replaced this." It wasn't very good. It doesn't seem fair entirely. You have to you have to read the whole story though about like you know why they made that recipe. Right, right. I was I was oh, lost yeah. in the Amazon for three weeks and during that time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, recipes. Anyway, all this is fun. We got so much to look forward to next week. Uh, we would love to hear all of your feedback about the recipe episode. Um, Chris, what? Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. It was Sarah this week. Crazy, Sarah. Why were you not <gasps> here? Sarah wasn't here. Sarah has to stay home. Sorry. Go away, Sarah. Pack your mics and go. Not you, Sarah. So other weird. Sarah. I, I yeah, that was you say Yeah, Chris, you deserved it, but man, that ice cream. I'm going to have more of it. Yeah. yeah, let's run it back. You know an ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging out, Chris. You bet. Uh, did you say something? I said you bet. Good. Like, I thought you just yeah. mouthed you bet at me. It was weird. Um, <laughs> thanks for hanging out, Kyle. Uh, it's it's fine to be here. It's good. It's a pleasure just to be. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine to be here. Yeah. Ez and Sarah, thanks for hanging out. Thank you. And you uh, Megan, good yeah. eating donuts with you. Likewise. Julia, congratulations on successfully completing your first ever podcast. Thanks for having hey. me. Thanks for the donut. This is, yeah. This is the last person. This is the last person on earth who has never been on a podcast. Yeah, I think so. it might be you. Yeah. You might be on a podcast before and didn't even realize it. That's how many podcasts there are. Um, but uh, anyway, my name is Alex. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We will see you again next week. Goodbye. It's happening what? again, Chris. Yeah! <laughs> Run it back. I'll take another bowl of song. <laughs>